Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Daily Thread. The birds are chirping over there in Boynton Beach, Florida, and it is a beautiful day all around, all uh, around the world. I, I maybe, can't control that. Maybe. I can't control the birds, you know. Uh, oh, I can no? check when the guy with the lawnmower flies around the property, but uh, the birds are, are free, you know. They're, yes. They're free to tweet. As they should be. As they should be. Well, you are listening to another episode of Daily Thread, so welcome. Okay, so I want to start off today, obviously, is Yom Hatzma'ut, and I want to uh, start off by reading something that was sent to me by a family who had recently made Aliyah, uh, the Walbrum family. This is written by Nava Walbrum. They live in Ramat Beit Shemesh, um, and here is something that she wrote, maybe add some perspective of the day. The title of this is Time Out is Over. The streets around me are bursting with music and dancing, but I don't feel comfortable truly celebrating this time of mourning during Surah for 24,000 of Yakiva's Talmidim. However, because this is the day that was chosen for the purpose of celebrating the founding of the State of Israel, I would like to reflect on that in my own way instead. To say that I am grateful for this chus to live here with my family for the last 20 months seems too weak a word to, adequate, to adequately describe my feelings. But can any words really describe it? I don't think they can. So I'll settle for the words I do have. I'm so grateful to every pioneer, soldier, citizen, 75 years worth of brave men and women who have fought in many different ways for this country to exist. They worked the land with backbreaking labor and amazing in- ingenuity, doing their part to make the desert blossom. They gave every ounce of themselves to build the infrastructure of this country. They put themselves, their children, and their grandchildren in harm's way in our army to defend our land and our people. My fundamental belief is that we are only here because Hashem has allowed it. But the Ishtadlis that was needed to make it happen was and is never easy. And so many have suffered and continue to suffer for it. Eretz Yisrael is acquired through suffering. Any family that moves here will endure some form of challenge in their own way. But those everyday types of challenges absolutely pale in comparison to the suffering and sacrifice of those who came here decades ago. It seems apropos today to quote a parable extrapolated from the teachings of Rav Kook, Zetzal. When a child does something wrong and is sent to their room, at first they scream and they cry, begging to come back to the living room with their family. The crying will go on for a bit, but then the child finds a toy in their room and gets distracted. When his mother comes to get him from his room after his punishment, he forgot that he so badly wanted to come back to the living room and is content in his room with his toy. There is love for Eretz Yisrael, that is a fundamental tenet of Yiddishkeit, but there also needs to be a real yearning. For too long, we've forgotten that we're supposed to be in Eretz Yisrael, that we're supposed to be fighting for and crying for Eretz Yisrael from the comfort and safety of Chutz Laaretz. Should everyone drop everything and pick up and move here? No, of course not. However, unlike 2,000, 1,500, or even 50 years ago, it's easy to be here now. It's Yishu of Eretz Yisrael, a Torah value. Is Yishu of Eretz Yisrael a Torah value taught in the Yeshiva system? Why aren't we running back in mass now? Because we've forgotten all about it. It may be because in our subconscious or daily tefillahs, but for now we're content with our toy in Chutz Arts. Thank you, Hashem, for allowing my family, for allowing Am Yisrael to return to Eretz Yisrael and continue surviving and thriving in the land you gave us. Thank you for making it exponentially easier over the last 75 years to live here in comfort and safety. So those that of us, so those of us that not as brave as the modern pioneers could could listen to the voice that you put inside of us that's been begging us to return. And now we can. 
And now we have the opportunity to serve you, to follow your Torah and, to your mit- and do your mitzvahs in the most beautiful way and place. May we all merit to see and experience the inbounding of all the exiled, the kibbutz Goliath, and the coming of Mashiach speedily from here in Eretz Yisrael. So that was written from Nava Walbram, uh, who lives in Beit Shemesh now. Uh, what are your thoughts on very that? Very beautiful, very beautifully written, uh, I think. And uh, I think it requires us uh, as Jews, uh, regardless of our level of uh, observance or uh, However, we feel uh, whatever we feel our role is in the destiny of the Jewish people is. I think a day like this requires that we take a step back and uh, take a, a long view of the condition of uh, Bnei Yisrael. You know, I was just talking to somebody last night about the fact that there's eight billion people in the world almost, and maybe thirteen or fourteen million Jews. You know, they say that the number yeah. of Jews in the world is uh, less than the margin of error in the Chinese census. You know, so um, uh, we we and 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 uh, our our prominence uh, is contradicted by our quantitative uh, numbers, uh, the role that the Jews play and the uh, uh, attention that we that that we attract is just uh, it's astounding, uh, and we yeah. and we can't and we can't forget we can't forget as Jews we can't forget that what what the what the the focus what the objective was of the Ratzon Hashem to create this world floating in space and, and with Eretz Yisrael, with tiny little Eretz Yisrael at the edge of the sea. That was the tachlis of the entire uh, uh, idea of the Hashem uh, uh, creating the world was, uh, was, was, uh, was Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. And we, 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 yeah. can't just, we can't just knock that aside like it's nothing. Yeah, and I think that, you know, today is a day that is recognized by many in a very strong way, and it's a day that is completely ignored by many in a very strong way. Um, she did write in her in this article, which I thought was beautiful and expressed very well. Uh, she mentioned in the beginning the streets are bursting with music and people are dancing, but we know it is the time of Sphira. So um, I think that's sort of the issue many people have with Yom Hatzimut is like it's middle of Sphira. We're, we're mourning something, and and to just to institute a day of celebration that works for the Israeli government's calendar might not be might not be the might not be the best thing. I, I don't it's know. Not, it's not. It's not. It's uh, not works for the convenience of the uh, Israeli government's calendar. The fact of the matter is, it's the fifth of Eeyore, and that's the day on which uh, David Ben Gurion proclaimed uh, the establishment of the state of Israel. Uh, but 70, is it is it daicha halacha? Is it daicha halacha? Listen, I, I I don't know. You could celebrate. You could probably celebrate. I just heard a, uh, I heard music that was released uh, a cappella music that was released uh, this week. You know, uh, uh, and it's beautiful music that I enjoyed listening to a lot. There's no. It's not music. It's a cappella. No, but it's still music. It's still songs that were written and sung by, in this case, by Benny Friedman, and a song written by your brother Yochanan Gordon. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, online, and it was a very beautiful thing, you know. Uh, you know, not to not not to get off topic, but on this point, I did see uh, a, a well-known producer in the Jewish music world, Shlomi Zaltzman. He wrote on his status the other day. He was saying that, you know what? Who's to say that music producers aren't putting music on these tracks? You know, maybe you need a mashkiach in in the studios, just like you have a mashkiach seeing uh, the meat and the chicken and the milk and everything. I think he was half joking, but. 
I think what he was saying is like maybe if you're gonna listen to, I think he was joking to be honest, but I'm not sure. No. If you're gonna listen to acapella, like this upbeat acapella, yeah. acapella stuff, yeah. is it really different than listening to regular music? Well, listen, uh, you you have to uh, you have to uh, consider the following. Uh, I think that um, on 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 there's different there's differences of the halakha. First of all, we have to establish the fact that we, even though we are the Daily Thread and a subsidiary of. Uh, uh, meaningful people, which is a subsidiary of uh, Meaningful Minute, and uh, people look uh, to uh, this uh, these programs for some kind of uh, definitive, uh, decisive type of conclusion about things. The nature of Jewish life is inconclusiveness. Yeah. To be able to discuss things and discuss them intelligently and peacefully and civilly, and there's different rabbis that uh, I'm not, and I'm talking about in the front community. That that view uh, how you're supposed to uh, uh, observe the morning of Sphira. and some people will tell you that uh, the prohibition on music is only live music, live shows. Uh, some people will tell everyone's got to really everyone's got to consult with their local Orthodox rabbi when it comes to these types of questions. Um, I do want to get back to the discussion about Israel. Uh, we had a we had an amazing conversation with Rav Shlomo Katz on Meaningful People several months ago during the summer. Mm-hmm. And here's a clip that's been going around today from that interview. I wanted to just to whoever's heart is wide open and says, you know, it's time to come home. We're waiting for you. We need each other. We need each other. We, we need you. You need us. It's the future of Am Yisrael. They're here. They're here in Eretz Yisrael. So I want to be part of God's dreams. It's, you know, there, there's a really strong, on this day especially, there's a really strong, um, there's a really strong call for, for people who live in Eretz Yisrael, who care about Eretz Yisrael, to, to have people make Aliyah, to make that move. And and like it said in that article by, by Nava Walbram, should everyone just stop everything and move? You know, probably not. It's a, it's a process. Aliyah is a process that you need to be ready for. And it's not necessarily the easiest of processes, but it's definitely what I, what we hear is worth it. I think you one day want to make that move, don't you? Know, you? I saw, yeah, I, I think we all have in our hearts, you know, uh, uh, you know, we we might be uh, we, we might be asleep, like the song says, but our hearts are always awake. You know, uh, there's always a chuka, there's always a desire in our hearts. And I think I saw, I might have seen it on uh, Meaningful Minute, maybe uh, Rabbi Zechariah Wallerstein, as uh, Sal said, if you wake up in the morning, that means Hashem is saying that you are needed in this world. You have some kind of you yeah. have a role in this world. And and that and, and I don't want to start categorizing people. That's good people, bad people, evil, good. I I can't start categorizing it and rationalizing why those things exist in the world. But if you are here, then you are part of God's grand plan that goes back, you know, five thousand eight hundred and or whatever it is, uh, fifty eight eighty three, five thousand is it five thousand eight hundred eighty three something like that. If I so, uh, yeah. and <laughs> make sure I'm right, and uh, and uh, you, you're part of a, a grand plan. Uh, and one of the most touching things I saw yesterday in the aftermath of Yom Hazikaron, which was Monday, uh, which was which was yesterday, the day before Yom Hazikaron, um, was the one of the uh, Yaniv boys whose brothers were killed by a shooter in Huara a few months ago. One of the Yaniv boys was Bar Mitzvah. And he was celebrating by the gravesite of his uh, of his brothers uh, with the family, really? and they had balloons and they were singing and they had him on his shoulders and they sang in the semi in the cemetery Simitova Mazeltov, and they celebrated about mitzvah. That is the see on the surface looked very contradictory. You know, how do you have a celebration 
people saying mazel tov in a, in a in a cemetery. But that's the magic that Jews and Israel are capable of, of doing. You know how, why, where, when, how. It's inexplicable. It's it's impossible to to explain. But if you look for that clip somewhere on one of the Jewish news sites, you will see the 13-year-old Yaniv boy with his parents singing and dancing and celebrating his bar mitzvah with his brothers who were murdered uh, a few months ago uh, at their uh, at their graveside. Very very touching stuff. Now one of the great uh, debates when it comes to Yom Haatzmaut, especially here in the diaspora. Whether it's New York or Florida, Rockland County, wherever I am, Palm Beach County, whatever it is, is the argument over whether you say halal or not uh, in davening, okay? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you know, some shul, some shuls in the five towns and other areas, they they by by virtue of the the bylaws of their shul, the rules, the law in the shul is you have to say halal. Uh, uh, Many do without a bracha, though. Many do without a bracha. So some, some. I, 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 think... I spoke to a few rabbis. Most of the rabbis I spoke to said, "I'm going to tell you what we do, but please don't publicize it. This is too sensitive. <laughs> it's too controversial." But Rabbi Zev Friedman from Rambam Sifta told me that. Whoa! Did he let you? Yes, publicize? he said I could use his name. Oh, okay. No, he told me uh, that's why I'm using his name. He said to me, "I could, okay. I, I could say, you know, Rabbi, he's he's a Rosh Hashiva of Rambam Sifta." And yeah, I'm not shocked. I'm sure they say halal there with a bracha. No, they don't. Okay, he said he asked Rabbi Soloveitchik Shaila many years ago when he started the Masifta some 20 odd years ago, maybe it's 30 years already. And um, it, he, Rabbi Soloveitchik said to him, "Say halal. You say it after the davening. You finish davening, then you say halal without a bracha." And a lot of shuls do that. What is halal? Halal is a beautiful tefillah. We just finished Pesach. We said halal every single day, uh, but uh, if if you say uh, if if you put it at the end of davening, if you put it at the end of davening, uh, then it's not part of the service. You're saying halal, which is a half a dozen kapitulach of Tehillim, which you could say anytime yeah. you want, any day you want. On Shabbos, by the way, a very good friend who will ultimately be on Meaningful People, uh, Sivan Rachav Meir. She's one of the most popular in-demand uh, lecturers on the uh, so-called Torah circuit, uh, so to speak. She was at the Young Israel of Woodmere, and she gave to Drusha on Shabbos. You know that? And the Young Israel of Woodmere, you know that? Well, And let I me mean, tell you, she, when she, she gave to Drusha after davening. Davening was over. So, it wasn't part of the so service. I mean, so then it's not, I mean, like, I mean, it, I think you're trying to make problems by calling it a drasha. She, she spoke. She spoke in a shul. She didn't give a drasha. She spoke. Publicity said that I saw the email that I said she, she's giving the drasha. <laughs> okay, so that's a. That, that's she's a, a she's a scholar. She's a, a very intelligent woman. Uh, she's steeped in, in Torah scholarship, and uh, she's also very from. Yeah, <laughs> very yes, from. yes. So you're right. Uh, she also spoke in the afternoon at six o'clock in the evening, uh, and and uh, listen. There are many women that, that spoke in public places to men and women. Uh, uh, Reverend and Esther Youngweiss used to speak all the time. Uh, Oliver Shalom used to speak all the time to... Uh, I one second. I don't think the problem is speaking. Just to call it a Shabbos drasha, it, it kind of has the undertones that she did it during davening. And like, well, uh, that's not what happened. Nah, that's, why the, that's why I'm bringing it up, number one. If it was just an old boring piece of... That's just bad. It was, that's a, nah, it was a, just, just bad just, PR. It was just a plain boring piece of information. I wouldn't bring it up. You know, but the fact of the matter you're is, to, you're trying to ruffle feathers. No, Shalom. The fact of the matter is that they, the 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 young Israel of Woodmere, uh, uh, which I'm a big fan of, and the Rabbanim there, 
who do an extraordinary job with over 1,200 member families, the largest young Israel shul in the United States of America, they made a point of saying in the publicity that she's going to speak after davening. They didn't have to go into a long explanation, but if she would, if she would have gotten up and spoken before Musaf, there would have been a lot of people that would have objected, most likely in the shul. I don't know, I'm not going to say what percentage of people would have objected, that's not important. But there would have been, even if there was one person that objected, it's not worth entering into that kind of controversy. Uh, but so she spoke She spoke after davening was over. Like you said, if davening is over, if davening is over. It's not part of the service, and that was the objective. That was the intent. It was no. It was not uh, part of the uh, part, part of the service. Yeah. Listen, whether you whether you say halal, don't say halal, with a bracha, without a bracha, whether you wear a blue shirt wrapped in white flag, and whether you are eating blue and white cupcakes today or not, uh, we are all Jews. We are all thankful and grateful that we have Eretz Yisrael to go to, some to live in. And right. the Hashem, we have the day, we have the day very soon where we can all reside there and, and, and bask in the glory of Mashiach. You know, like, like Shlomo Katz said, and like Rav Shlomo Katz said, and I really appreciate it, is that God's dreams are in Eretz Yisrael. His dreams, aren't, his dreams aren't in Cedarhurst or New City or Boca. His dreams are in Eretz Yisrael. I think a Yid... I think that's where a yid always needs to yearn to be and if you don't if you don't want to go you have to work on wanting to want that was something he said also it's it, it, if you don't want to be in Eretz Yisrael you have to work on wanting to want that's the first step you have to want to want to be there but moving on okay. in this episode uh it's worth noting that there's been a bit of a shake-up in the secular uh news media of course, the Daily Thread operates in the Jewish world, but our friends, our colleagues at Fox News and CNN have ousted a couple of the most popular newscasters, anchors in the industry. Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon both laid off, fired over the weekend. Uh, it says here in an article that uh, Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon hired a top Hollywood lawyer. His name is Brian Friedman the most Jewish name in the entire industry. And he has a track record of getting multi-million dollar settlements for, for TV stars. So uh, why they were laid off, I don't well, know. Listen, you know, uh, I can't talk about Don Lemon too much because I don't know too much about him. I didn't follow him. I know that he was an annoying good news personality. Uh, you were a big talker guy. I was a big, big I want you know, guy. I was a big talker guy. And I have to tell you, I'm having a little bit of withdrawal. Uh, I still look at my phone. Like he, last night, I don't was, worry, because he's gonna have his own thing very soon. He's gonna, he's gonna pop up somewhere soon. That, and, he'll join. And, maybe he'll join the Daily Wire. May, I don't know. Maybe he'll join Newsmax. You know. Um, I hope not. I, I, I kind of wanted to be on the Daily Wire. He got. He got into. I'm sure he's talking to everybody. He got into trouble. Uh, he got into trouble because you have to know. Even when you're a right winger, you have to know how to walk the line. You know. I always tell my friends who have. Uh, right-wing positions in terms of Eretz Yisrael, for example. You know, throw the Arabs out, uh, make Judea and Samaria part of Eretz Yisrael, don't compromise. I always tell them those are legitimate positions to have, but use, use moderate, middle-of-the-road language. Don't use extreme language. Because when you use extreme language, people say it's hateful, and they don't listen to your message anymore. They just focus on the words that you're using. You think that's why he got he got fired? Listen, let me tell you something, Nachi. In 1979, okay, maybe it was 1980, I interviewed Mary Kahana on the radio on WFMU. And it was around the time that Nazis in Skokie, Illinois, were getting ready to march, okay? 
They're going to march because they claimed they had First Amendment rights and they have freedom of expression. And Skokie, Illinois was known to have a, an inordinate amount of Holocaust survivors living there. And they were going to march through Skokie. And I had Mayor Kahana on the radio live, live, a live radio show. Not like we're, we're recording this a few hours before it goes up online. I had him live on the radio. You know what Mayor Kahana said? Nazis in Skokie have to be killed. That's what he said. <laughs> and man, did I get into trouble. I almost got thrown out of the place, you know? <laughs> you know, maybe. Well, you can't control what he says. You no, know, but listen, I was responsible for what gets said on that program, you know? Just like. Well, first of all, first of all, Nazis. Nah. I mean, I'm not going to say it. Can you imagine? Well, you don't, can, you, can you imagine something appears in the Five Town Jewish Times? And what am I going to say after it comes out? And say, I didn't know. I didn't see it. I didn't. No one's going to buy Abba, that. Did, did you disagree with him? What? Did you disagree with him? I, I think there's a, there's a judicial process. If they were arrested for violating the law well, and they were well, found well, guilty and they were given a death penalty. Of then, course. Then of course. Up. Well, I we see the Nazis that were caught were killed. They were hung. They were executed. After, after a legal process. After a so legal he did, process. So he, so he, and whether I, he didn't well, say. Let, let's say, let's say, not you or me. Let's say the guy sitting over there believes that all Nazis, anyone who says the word I'm a Nazi should be killed on the spot. Let's say that person over there, we can't see him on the camera. Let's say he says that all Nazis should be killed. You know, that's not going to help his position, okay? Because there's a, there's a civilized process that has to take place. Now, if it's in a war zone, if it's in a war zone, and soldiers are fighting each other, of course, the American soldiers uh, and the Russian soldiers that were fighting the Nazis in World War II, and just like the Russians and the Ukrainians are killing each other today, they're not reading them their rights and putting them on trial. They're shooting at them and trying to kill them. That's different. That's different than, than after the fact. Yeah. And, and anyway, my, my, my point is that, you know, Kahana said live on the radio, Nazis have to be killed. And uh, I got into a lot of trouble. Uh, I almost got thrown off the, the radio station. Uh, and, uh, well, Abba, I, that didn't come up in the background check that I ran to have you on the Daily Thread. So now I'm a little bit nervous. Well, but what if that it, comes back up? You know, I don't, it's not there. First of all, it's 40, uh, what was it, 40 years ago, 43 years ago. So, you think I could find it online? Uh, I don't know. In those days, I don't think uh, I don't think I recorded those programs. Uh, I didn't record every program that we ever did. I don't know. It, it could be somewhere. I have a lot of tapes with Gahana that you never listened to. I don't see it. I don't see any articles. I, I googled Larry Gordon, Mayor Kahana, Nazi. I don't see anything. You know, you, you see articles that I wrote about him o over the years, probably. Uh, I see articles that you wrote about him, but I don't see anything I mentioned. So you scrubbed the internet. Good for you. No, you scrubbed it there all. was no internet then. You know, there was no internet, so nothing to scrub. Oh, wow. There, there was nothing to scrub. How do you get on that subject, by the way? What, oh, you heard about Tucker Carlson. So Tucker, Tucker Carlson. why Tucker get into trouble? With, why, to the point where he had to be overnight fired by, uh, by, by Fox News. You know, usually if you're ending a contract with somebody, you say, okay, uh, we're, we have a difference of opinion. We're, 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 we're separating. We can't continue. I'm gonna, my last program will be in four weeks. Boom. Yeah, on, firing someone overnight is, is really extreme. On Friday evening, they say in the news, he said at the end of the show Friday night, see you on Monday. Okay? And, 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 and then he was out. Now, why I told you why I think people that I know that are involved in what we call right-wing movements – I say to them, don't use right-wing language. Use moderate language. You'll be more effective in getting your objectives accomplished and achieved if you use language that people can relate to. If you start using rough language or difficult language, 
you, it, you, you distract from what you're trying to accomplish. And I think that's partly what uh, Tucker Carlson uh, uh, did. Okay, first of all, right. you have to, he, was, he, was, he was the most popular cable news show. He had 3 million viewers a night, you know, uh, 3 million viewers yeah. a night. Now, 3 million doesn't seem like so much in a country of 332 million people, uh, but, uh, but uh, he had a tremendous influence. Uh, uh, whatever yeah. he said, even though only three million people were uh, uh, were listening, but you know, I heard he was personally fired by Rupert Murdoch. They just had to settle a lawsuit with Dominion, uh, the voting machine people, for seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars. You know, um, so I can imagine he might have been a little bit upset, uh, Mr. Murdoch, and 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 the major companies were boycotting the Tucker Show for years already. You know? Well, listen, you know what? He's going to also have to settle uh, a nice multi-million dollar deal with Tucker as CNN will with Don Lemon. We'll, we'll see what happens in, in those cases. But anyways, wishing everyone a beautiful day. Uh, we'll, God willing, join you again tomorrow on The Daily Thread. Of course, remember to subscribe, leave a rating review. We look forward to speaking with have you again soon. Have a great day. Have a great day, everybody.